What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Scalp Solutions Podcast. I am your host, David Santiago, and today I have with me Meg Conkling, a.k.a. the Curly Hair Alchemist. What is going on, Meg? What's up, guys? How are you? I'm happy to be here, David. I'm happy to have you. I know you're very busy. I was like, man, let me hit her up, see if she got some time to chop it up with me, talk some hair, and see what she got going on. I appreciate you for being here. Yes, thank you. So let's get right to it. Who is the Curly Hair Alchemist? What's that all about? How'd you come about that? So I was actually, um, in 2009, I started specializing only in curly hair, right? But when I went into business for myself in 2016, and that's a whole long story, but I didn't have a name and I don't really like my name because, you know, people say, hey, are you Megan or Meg or Margaret or Margie or Maggie? <laughs> and so I used to work for this guy and I'd be like, hey, Dennis, what's up? And he's like, I'm Maggie. I'm like, it's Meg. He's like, okay, Maggie. And I'm like, I'm just traumatized by my name. So I didn't want my business as my name. Got and you. I kept getting all this advice. And then um, what it turned into is I was uh, servicing one of my clients who's in the theater industry and she left me a review and she was uh she was like meg is amazing she made my hair just sparkle my curls look great she's not just a curly hair specialist she's an alchemist and i was like oh my god that's Lights my name went off yeah so that became my business and it also really transferred in who i am and i didn't realize you know when you you do something all the time and you don't realize that you do it all the time right Right. So it becomes so familiar that you've kind of lost the understanding that what you do is magical, but to everybody else, you're a unicorn. Right, right. And so, uh, I started to realize that all my, uh, background life, me going to India, me doing yoga, me talking about real life situations behind the chair and just stop only talking about retail products. I realized that people needed something more than just a haircut and it became this whole encompassing experience of the mind, body, spirit experience. So when people come and sit in my chair, they're like, I don't know what she's gonna say because I feel like she can see me through everything that I'm trying to put this front on. And I'm like, yep. So when they come in there, they're not just coming with a haircut. You're going to drop some gems yeah. on them, too. Yeah, be like, here you go. Download this. Put it's it on some, your, put it, I'll, I can't send a PDF, but. some life things for it's you. Life. It's yeah, life. Yeah, it's good. That's awesome. So mm -hmm. how did you originally get into hair? Like, how did you gravitate into that? Uh, I, well, my mother's a dog groomer and my dad's an engineer. Okay. And then if you go past them, my mother's side is all nurses and construction workers and then my father's side is writers and quilters and nurses as well. That's so awesome. my DNA is I'm supposed to work with my hands. Yeah, yeah. Hair, I think, just came in because of selfish reasons. I didn't want a uniform. I didn't want to sit in a cubicle. Uh, I didn't want to go to college. I didn't even want to take my SATs. I didn't even want to go to school. You're a rebel. I'm like... <laughs> this man <laughs> and so um my guidance counselor in what was it sophomore year she was like you're too smart to be a hairstylist wow and i said okay you're not on my team you know yeah. and i just kept going i never took the sats i never saw her again basically because i wasn't gonna go to college so why do i need a guidance counselor and then i went to school i went to the worst school ever i went to the 
the most low income housing type school you could go to. This is uh, for cosmetology school. For cosmetology school. school. Because you know what? I didn't want to be a financial burden to my parents. They already had financial issues. They weren't getting along. I was like, the last thing I want to be is a problem. Got you. So when I went to school, it was, it was, I went to an all black hair school. I was the only white girl. How was that? That was fun. That's where you got some ill skills. You know, I, well, because I was like, also like, oh, if I can learn black hair and be a white stylist. Game changer. I'm amazing. But I didn't learn how to do black hair, natural hair. I learned how to do relaxers, weaves, you know, press and sets. So I got the lingo and I got the skill and I was very successful in understanding it. But I was like, this doesn't make any sense to me. I want to learn like my hair, like hair, curly hair. But there wasn't anything like that. Then I got, um, years later, I got invited to a class and Diva Curl was the educator. And then I became obsessed. And that was in 2009. So from 2009 till now i've only been doing curly hair only i haven't even picked up a blow dryer and a brush or any flat iron since then really yeah and you know i've been looking into you and i didn't even i didn't even uh picture that like that's usually something like i would look at like oh i don't see this i don't see that so mm-hmm. you're not a traditional no hairstylist i'm a niche i'm a niche, niche artist you know i can never say that you thought i had a hard time pronouncing your last name like i can't niche. say these i always say ditch <laughs> well <laughs> it's the like, same it's like tomato tomato oh okay good it's see i feel better now so before we go into you um doing exclusively curly okay. hair let's go just back real quick so you go you get into the hair you're in cosmetology school what were you doing prior that. I mean, I know you were a student, but what, what kind of job well, I was you a kid. Holding? I was working at a grocery store. Okay. So I literally, I've been standing, <laughs> hairdresser stand, right? <laughs> I've been standing since I was 16. But before that, you know, my mother hired me to clean our house. She would pay me allowance. You know, um, I would um, take care of people's animals. That's what I loved about my mom being a dog groomer. You know, my dad was also, on the weekends, he detailed cars when he wasn't engineering. He was also a musician and playing guitar. So I saw my parents do other things to raise money for themselves. So it inspired me to always have odd jobs. Like, I would just hire myself. I would go next door and say, hey, Miss Tullup, you know, I can take out your trash every Tuesday for $5 a week. But, you know, I accept tips, too, because I make sure, like, the bin's still clean. And, you know, so if you want to... I was always upselling. So is it is you call it an odd job, but the reality of it is you I was a hustler. A hustler. Yeah, hustling. I was hustling Got my you. my my senior citizen neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got to start somewhere. Hey, they right? get they hey, get they get money start. too. They yeah. get retirement. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right, so that was your come up. So now let's get back to with the curly hair. What was it that influenced you or inspired you to just focus on curly, the curly hair? When I was 12, I, you know, my hair was past my shoulders. It was super dry, super frizzy. And when I wanted to straighten my hair, I would lean over to the side and my mother would take the, the, the clothing iron and she would sizzle it straight. Because this was, <laughs> this was 97. Right. This was 1997. That, there was no yeah, flat irons in 1997. Tools. That's it. Yeah. And, um, uh, I was like, you know what, Ma, I really want my hair done professional. My 13th birthday's coming up. Can I go get a professional blowout? We went to the salon. I was so inspired by the hairstylist because she was so pretty. Her hair was bone straight. 
and being somebody who's curly, who's never been able to run my fingers through my hair without nagging it on like a tangle or creating some sort of frizziness. Like you just had automatic rules you don't do with curly hair. So when I saw her hair, I was like, oh my God, I can break all the rules if I had hair like that. Okay. And so she brings me to the sink. She washes, conditions me, brings me to the chair and capes me. And I'm like, this is a thing. Like someone else is taking care of me like this. Like I'm like the dog at my mom's vet's office, like getting washed in the sink. And cause that's all I saw was animals get washed. I didn't know humans got washed by other people too. So I'm making this huge connection. Like, oh my goodness. And uh, she starts blowing out. She takes that first section and my hair looks on point. But then she takes that second section and something was really wrong. And the blow dryer was really hot. The brush was hitting my head. She was not friendly anymore. And so it felt like something I did, you know, and I, I just looked down. I didn't want to look in the mirror anymore because it was it was disturbing. But this guy comes out of nowhere. Time goes by and I see him in the reflection and he looks a little disgruntled. And uh, he's like, hey, how long are you going to be? Because I've been waiting for a while just for a haircut. And I'm thinking, well, men's haircut, how long is a men's haircut? Like, was, And I'm thinking, oh, I'm trying to put all this together. So she gets her face up from my head. And I look up. I'm terrified I look at this woman's reflection. But I look up anyway. And she's dripping sweat. And she's like, I don't know how long I'm going to be. But I will be with you in a moment. And I'm like, okay. And I just put my head down. She's done finally, finally. And she walks away from me. She doesn't say one word to me. And I look in the mirror after I peel myself off the chair. And I look up and I don't see divine, straight, shiny. You know, I see frizzy and ugly. So she was obviously upset and annoyed because she was having a hard time. She, she didn't know how to such deal a with your hair. Time. And that's what I saw was the struggle. And I'm just thinking, why is my hair so hard? Right? Like, why, why is this on my head a difficult situation? Like, you got to call in the SWAT team. Like, what, <laughs> what's the out. problem? Right. When everybody else has really beautiful straight hair, why can't I? Right. So I was fighting something naturally. I was fighting what was on my head to look like everybody else that it appeared to happen so easy. So when I stepped foot into the hairdressing school and I saw all these black women, I instantly identified with them because I'm like, they're over here trying to make their hair look clean, proper, beautiful, professional. Right. And there's all these stigmas that curly hair is unruly and ugly and that you automatically automatically are in this category that you didn't ask anybody to put you in you're just out of sorts you're out of the box so I always knew I was an out of a box person I mean I didn't even want to go to college how many kids say that out loud right right <laughs> I'm raising my hand I didn't see it all. you know so I already knew I was different but I didn't want to keep always being different like that elaborate I didn't want to always be different with the fact that like I walked in the room and my hair was a conversation on a mm. negative level got you 
And especially when you walk into the hair salon as a curly hair individual, everyone's running to the back room instantly. Like I'm on break. I don't want to do that client because I know it's not going to come out good. So that's why relaxers, keratin treatments, when flat irons came out, it was like the holy grail for hairstylists because now we can flatten that mess out. We can just put a bunch of silicone on it and we can send them home. Yeah. And they're happy because the number one thing that a lot of curly hair suffers from is length retention so nobody was growing their hair long because they weren't getting the proper treatment and maintenance because in the time of 97 we had so many products that dried us out we needed hydration we needed the opposite so after hair school and working in mediocre salons for so long like about five years i just basically did a career suicide and i just quit the hair game and I was like, I can't do another flat iron. I can't do another blowout. I feel like my neck is about to break. My arms are falling off. My fingers hurt. I, w I was only five years in the industry and I already felt like I needed a shoulder replacement. Wow. So, I mean, I guess you were that busy, but I was that busy, but I was that busy making everybody's hair look like someone else's. Got you. So when people sat in my chair, I naturally was like, okay, there's the red carpet hair, but what about your hair? Because I wore my hair curly. Or because I went to an all-black salon, I wore hair extensions. So I learned to be a chameleon in my industry with hair. And that's what was so beautiful about being in other cultural spaces, being a, a light-skinned artist, is that I could say, hey, did you know that you can add hair? Did you know that you can extend your hair if it's not growing a certain length? So there's the cosmetic side of it. Right. But me, because of the hard labor behind it and the physicality, I didn't sign up to be a construction worker in the hair care industry. Gotcha. I didn't want that in my body. So I quit. I started go-go dancing. Now, for those of you who are thinking go-go dancing is a stripper, it is not okay, a stripper. I was, I was it is gonna, not a stripper. I was just going to leave. I was like, well, we're going to leave that there. Everybody knows what that is. No, but now, okay, it's what's not. Go -go dancing? So when you walk into a fun... 18 or 20, no, 21. I can't do 18. Eight, like 18, you can still have go go dancers at 18 plus parties, but 21 is where the liquor is. So, 21 plus clubs, when you walk into a club, you can have those really beautiful, like balcony cages that the women are dancing in oh, that are like just, the yeah, like, like they're wearing interesting on outfits or they're just part of the scene. They're just dancing with the music. They're not taking off their clothes and okay. getting paid for it. Got you. That's called a stripper. Strippers and go-go dancers are two separate entities, yes. ladies and gentlemen. You've just been schooled. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I got you. So. Your approach on here, so what you were saying was like you you didn't want your clients coming in and you were like, all right, let me give you this look. You kind of wanted them to embrace who they were, what oh, they had, yeah. and learn how to work with that. Yeah, I thought it was sexy and empowering to see a woman say, this is who I am. But women weren't saying that. So because you know when you keep hitting resistance sometimes you just quit and you give up because yeah, you, you think you know Before. and that's what i did i gave up i did some nightlife stuff i made a lot of money and then um 
I didn't want to do that anymore. So what happened was I started giving up on the industry because they weren't giving me solutions to really talk to the clients with the solutions I really wanted to offer them. I didn't have the education. I didn't have the knowledge. And I wanted to learn about curly hair because I had it. So another fun fact is I would, you know, when you work in a salon, you're supposed to up the retail for your boss. You're supposed to be a good employee, right? I wasn't doing that. I didn't believe in the products for curly hair at my salon. So I would send them down the street (laughs) to the beauty retailer supply store. I'm like, you got to get this. You got to get this. You got to get this. Because if you want to wear your hair curly, that's what I'm using. So what happens is we start sharing what we're doing on our own hair. And then we're like, well, you can try this because we're trying to help a curly sister out. Right. You know, and it becomes kind of like a cult, like a clan, like a crew. And then my boss didn't like that. So he, he basically, I didn't only get fed up with the industry. He also fired me. Got you. And that was then like the second sign from the universe. Like, oh, you don't belong this is here. Not for me. Yeah. And he actually said that to me. He's like, you don't belong here. Really? Wow. And, and as a boss, for the bosses out there, you can't say yeah, you that, don't ever say that to, to somebody. Because guess what they can do? Collect unemployment. Because that's not how you fire people. Right, right, right. So, nightlife. Right. Go, go. And, yep. then, and then, how do you come back So, what the was industry? interesting is that my ex-boss's wife called me about five months later. And I was not expecting a phone call from her. And at that time, I had my little Ericsson cell phone. And she left me a voicemail and she said, Megan, she said oh, my she full did. name. She said the full name. That's where you <laughs> fucked up. That's where my trigger was. <laughs> it was like, no, I was like, I'm not answering you. She doesn't deserve me. <laughs> so she's like, Megan, um, you signed up for a class six months ago and it's with several different manufacturers in Boston and it's tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. in Massachusetts. I thought I'd remind you. I'm over here like 8 a.m. Massachusetts. And this is while you you already were let go? I was gone. So what was so amazing about that is that she could have just been like, well. Yeah, you don't work for us anymore. Yeah. But she she honored it. Wow. She honored me. And uh, I wound up going to that class. The vi- So it was five manufacturers. I think it was like Redkin, L'Oreal. I can't remember um, the other two, but then the last one was Diva Curl. Okay. And that's when I walked into a room and it was 30 curly hair mannequins on stands. And so you were like, this is it. I was like, I'm home. I got it. This is, this is it. This is it. And, uh, I feel like I'm going to cry reliving this because um, the impact that had on me, um, seeing a mannequin with my hair, I never saw Barbie dolls with my hair. I never saw anything in life that looked like me. So it was amazing walking into this room and I said, I'm about to learn how to do a haircut on a mannequin with hair like mine. It was like, holy shit, right? And so out of all the people in that room, so they did the demo of the cut and the educator was uh, Jackie at the time. And uh, she went through a dry cut. So with curly hair, you cut the hair in its natural state. No washing and then cutting wet. None of that. No combs. Still sectioning, still your foundational cosmetology work. But now we're going to learn how to transfer that 
learning a foundation to a texture you know nothing about. And not to mention, it's going to act differently once you put water on it and give it the proper nutrients and amino acids and moisture emollients that it's going to need. And it's going to spring up differently. So it's going to be like a, a show. It's going to be an unveiling the entire process. So you're scared to yeah, cut. Yeah, I was going to say, how do you, how do you feel? Because that's <laughs> you're like terrified. me. I'm like, what? Like, yeah. what do you want me to do what? You're like the unknown. Yeah, so you're terrified. And then you're also excited and curious and but you don't want to mess up because these clients that they're introducing you to the psychology of the curly girl is they've been abandoned no one's ever given them a nice haircut because all their haircuts are cut wet and then they shrink and they're uneven and they look like a pyramid and they got bangs and they don't want them um and they go home basically with a blowout because that's all they get so to leave with your hair looking nice curly you're thinking no pressure at all, just no pressure, right? Just no high expectations, just you're freaking out. And uh, that's how I went into that class, just completely an open book. And I said to Jackie, uh, I'm going to have 400 questions for you. So I just want to make sure that's okay. Jackie's one of the, uh, the educators. educators. Okay. And she said, ask away. I was the only one asking questions every five seconds. Were you the only one? To actually have curly hair though there too or no um i was very obvious that i had curly hair i'm sure there were a lot more people in that room that had curly but they had blowouts right and that's what i was gonna ask so then they've already conformed like yeah I, i'm done with the curly hair so then it kind of went back to me it went back to me like i was basically asking questions so i can understand about my hair right so that's what was so beautiful about it and then I was sold. And then I was just obsessed. I was calling Diva Curl every day. Do you need a hairstylist? Do you, do you need an assistant? So they, they, they didn't get back to me fast enough. I flew out to Ohio with them. I took an education program. By then I was basically, I had $300 in my checking account because I was not working. And I said, this is what I want to do, but I'm running out of money. I was living with my parents at the time. Um, I was blessed enough to not be in any debt. And then I got a call. And it was from Divashan Salon in Soho, their flagship, like mothership of salons. Picked up my Ericsson phone. By that time, the screen was cracked because I dropped it. <laughs> so it's just, it's just getting worse. Finishing. Um, getting really thin here. And uh, it was this guy and he said, hey, we're hiring for an assistant. And I said, I'll do it. I don't want to be an assistant. Whoever wants to be an right, assistant, right. especially since I just did hair for five years. So I said, okay. And they said, but it's in the White Plains, New York location. And I had no idea White Plains how to locate. I never even been to White Plains. And at that time I had to use MapQuest. I had to make sure I had enough freaking ink in my printer. Um, I didn't. So I went to Miss Tellup's house and I was like, hi, do you have a printer? She's like, no. So I'm going to all my senior citizen clients and I'm like, hey, who has a printer? Um, and then eventually my mom gets ink and, um, I print out the directions. I go for the interview and I walk into the salon. Every single client has naturally curly hair. Every single client. And I, again, I had the emotional. That moment, huh? Oh, I was like, like oh my it. God. I'm I, home. I have found my people. I have found my people. I sit on the couch and this guy, super clean, beautiful eyebrows, perfect wavy hair, all quaffed. And he looked like New York City. And I'm thinking, 
girl, you're not in, you're not in Connecticut anymore. Uh, basically he says hello to me. I stand up, I'm nervous. And he says, are you here for the senior stylist position? And I said, I sure am. In my head, I'm thinking, oh my God, if yeah, I get like caught, I'm get, in so much trouble. <laughs> right? Wow, that was awesome. You get one of these, hold on. <laughs> that is gangster right there. And I'm looking behind me thinking, does he have the right person? But I'm the only one in the waiting room. So I walk downstairs with him and I meet my, what was about to be my future boss, Dennis De Silva. He's from Brazil. He's on the phone. He's speaking Brazilian and I'm sitting there nervous because I'm like, I'm here on a lie. Yeah, yeah. I'm supposed <laughs> to be here for the assistant job. I just. <laughs> so I'm praying. So, and I'm, my eyes are closed the whole time. So he says, hello, hi, Maggie. And I'm like, you can call me whatever you want, man. Like, I don't even care. I'm <laughs> not even correct. Give me the fucking job. So he's asking me some questions and he saw my portfolio. My portfolio was all straight hair. It was all editorial work at the time. Cause I was also doing some magazine stuff. I was trying to get my foot in the door with that. I didn't really like that part of the industry. So I stopped, but I got beautiful, beautiful photos out of it. And he said, he didn't even really talk to me that much. He was just like, what do you want? And coming from a salon that told me I didn't fit in, working with clients who just were never happy because they knew they'd walk outside, their blowout would go to shit, right? I said, you know what? I don't want to be an assistant. I want my own clients. I want to be here and I want to make, and at that time it was a lot of money for me. I was like, I want to make 30,000 a year wow. and I want opportunity. And if you can't give that to me, I'm not your girl. And he looked at me and he was like, okay, Maggie, you start next week. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And just for the record, it's Meg. And he was like, okay, Maggie. And then I was like, okay, well, I can't change some people. But um, I started and I only assisted for one month. And it was a rough, rough beginning. I walked in and I was the girl who didn't have to pay any dues. Who's this girl? Why isn't she an assistant? What do you mean she's a senior stylist? I've been here for five years and I'm still assisting. So, oh, so I you, you got a lot of heat and I was not accepted. So here's this continuing story. Where do you belong, Meg? Instant rejection. A lot of colleagues did not respect me because they didn't know me. And I don't blame them for that. However, um, thank God that happened because it kept me in my lane. And it taught me that you know what? No one else is going to teach me how to do curly hair but me because if no one else is helping me, I can figure this out. And I got a thirst and a hunger that I had never seen before in my life. I was sleeping, eating, showering, developing nothing but curly hair. If I wasn't in the salon, I was cutting a mannequin. If I wasn't cutting a mannequin, I was cutting someone's hair. If I wasn't cutting someone's hair, I was thinking of the haircuts before I went to sleep. If I wasn't thinking about the haircuts, I was talking haircuts. I, I needed to figure it out. I was, I was obsessed. And then I became an educator for them. And I, I was with them for five years. I had 15 clients a day. Um, I had an assistant. 
I um, got knocked down to then doing haircuts in 30 minutes, and then my assistant would take them and, and style them at the end of the session. I was the most highly requested stylist to work with with assistants because I came from nothing, and so did they. And um, I didn't give them a hard time because I was given such a hard time. Right, so, so, you so let me ask you a question. Right, sure. One of your requests were... I want to make at least 30000 Yeah, okay. <laughs> so here we go. <laughs> I was going to, did, did it happen? So my paychecks were the biggest I had ever seen. At that time, a $500 paycheck to me was like a pot of gold. And eventually my paychecks maybe went up to seven fifty, but they never got past seven fifty. So you got capped. And then I started doing the numbers and I started realizing that my boss and the management department and HR was telling us that we're getting paid 40% out of the 60. But then when you do the numbers with, oh, but then we got to put a percentage into you guys um, investing back into the business and, and that training. And, yeah. Training and assistance and color tubes. And I'm like, I don't even do hair color. Why am I paying for color tubes? And they were like, well, this is a team. And I'm like, really? Cause I learned how to play ball by myself in the outfield. So I don't really know what you're talking about. So there was a huge disconnect between management and employees and that, that space started getting resentment and dark and nasty. So I was like, you know what? Actually I did my numbers, Dennis, and I'm getting paid 11% of what I'm yeah. making. And you guys are making at least, at least, at least 25 to 35k off me a month that's a month crazy. and that's why i asked because i know that's a big right brand that you were working huge for. huge they were making so much capital and i said you know what i'll respect the game but i'm not a member anymore i'm not playing your game i'm gonna make my own game so 2015 came i was actually really sick um i was suffering from um a heavy load of fibroids that can live inside women's uteruses and make you um, uh, overbleed and hemorrhage um, when it comes to that menstrual cycle. So my blood count at that time for my red blood cells was, uh, the number was seven. You're supposed to fall in between 26 yeah. to 35. So I actually went to the hospital and got a blood transfusion. And um, for those of you out there, I am O negative. So <laughs> you got that, that <laughs> that's super hard to find. So if you guys need blood, you can call your girl it's because we can blood. only help each other. <laughs> um, and so once that happened, it opened my eyes to realize that I was being sucked dry, literally, from working for a company that I was exhausted and I wasn't getting enough recharge time. So I quit. Got you. So... Was that what it took for you to say, you know what, now I'm going to take, you know, things into my own hands. I'm going to start my own salon. What was it? It's funny. It's funny. You know, being here in the town that you're in, in Carmel, uh, it brought back a lot of memories on how that all started because I had forgotten the details. And where it began for me was, yeah, you get triggered. Your health is on the brink of extinction and you're like I'm, I'm dying like something about that kind of puts a light bulb in your head and realize are you really living so when that light bulb went off it just kept getting brighter the more I ignored it, it kept getting louder the more I ignored it so 
I quit pretty unprofessionally. I didn't give them two weeks notice. I gave them a week. And then I went on like a public announcement speaker, basically AKA I got loud and I told every single client for that entire week I was leaving. Oh. And if they wanted to know me, I'm on Facebook. This is where I'm at. So the thing is, is that my last name, Conkling, is really hard to remember and to say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will practice. <laughs> so with that, with that being said, no one's going to remember me. So I basically did a career suicide. I bounced without leaving any cookie crumbs. I then traveled the world. I went to Thailand. I went to Costa Rica for months at a time. I had a major surgery, had fibroid removal, um, took about two months to recover. And that was just to be able to walk and stand and pick up a laundry basket. Shit. And then after that, um, I got in my car and I hysterically cried and said, okay, I'm back at that moment where I'm not going to go and go-go dance. This is, we're beyond that. You know, I'm living on my own. I have mortgage. I got two cats to feed, you know, <laughs> and uh, I'm not married. I don't have kids. Thank God for that blessing because I wouldn't have been able to support anybody outside of myself. And I said, Meg, what do you want? And this little voice comes down from the ethers and it's like this little faint whisper and that little voice said you got to be your own boss girl you boss just up you gotta just be your own boss because there is no salon that has what you need and what they say right if you can't find it you gotta go get it and you gotta go make, make it. it you gotta, gotta make, make it. it you gotta make you gotta literally pull it out of nothing and make it into reality so why your area, why Carmel reminds me of the beginning of my story is little old me got on Facebook and started hijacking Facebook groups. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm a mom of, you know, Maya Peck. And I got two kids and just found some Google image and like screenshot it and put it in the message to be approved to be in the moms of Maya Peck Facebook group. Oh my God. So this is so. Thug. <laughs> and I, That's and great I, though. No, no. And they let me in. I was like, hey guys, I do curly hair. My name's Meg. This is my cell phone. I'll come to your house. Your kids, they're busy. You're busy. You can't get out of your house. You know, I'll, I'll meet you. I'll meet you in a parking lot. I got scissors and a cape and I know how to do curly hair. I used to work for Divashan. Hit me up. That post was taken down 20 minutes later and the woman was like, you bitch. You know, I mean, no offense. I, if you're listening, I, I, no hard feelings. Yeah, but they get up tight. And the, I, yeah, I've tried that. Because I, I did overstep. I did overstep and I lied. Yeah. But who cares? You I broke made, I rules. broke the rules. So anyway, so um, I got 25 messages. In that 20 minutes, one person saw that post and text me and said, hey, hi, I have curly hair. I would love for you to come to my home. I used to go to Divashan's salon. 
And I'm like, okay, I'll be there. Where am I going? And then that's just basically how it happened. It just was wildfire through Facebook mom groups. And then I just became extremely accessible. I said yes to everybody. If someone needed a haircut at 7 a.m., guess who was there at 6.55? I, you know, started to just really brand myself as like the go-to get on the car and go girl for Curly. And I was basically taking care of the clients who couldn't make it to the salon. Um, I did that for about six months and I just pocketed a bunch of cash. And then um, I, it was enough for me. I made enough money in six months to give myself one year of survival money, which was about 54K. That's amazing. Good for you. And then I was like, okay, I have one year of survival money. But then I was like, the winter's coming. I don't really want to drive everywhere. And everybody wanted me more and more and more and more. I would have to clone myself or open a trucking business. Like I even thought about getting like an 18 wheeler and be like, let's just turn this into like four units, (laughs) have like a bunch of hairstylists in there and do like on the go curl cuts, you know, but like make it real, really make it legit, like really big. And, um, (laughs) that didn't happen, but it was a great idea, but I didn't want to do that. I want, I'm a Taurus. I like being home. I'm grounded. I like earth. I like having stability. Right. Being on the road wasn't a stability factor. Uh, and so I, that voice came up again. was like, okay, you're a boss, but now you gotta be a real boss. Like you gotta be a legal boss, like a DBA boss. And you need a place where people come to you and you need a sink and you need to sell retail and not out of the trunk of your car, you know? So I said, okay. And then that voice came up and said, you need to be by the water. And I had no idea what that meant. Three days later, I get a text from my client, Michelle, shout out to Michelle. Cause without you, I would not have a business, swear to God. And she texts me, she goes, Meg, this uh, woman just made a post on Instagram that she's looking for someone to to booth rent. I was like, people are booth renting in New York? Like, what? Yeah, I thought that come, was- That's come back all of a sudden. I, don't, I, I was like, so I thought that was a California too, thing because like, yeah. I'm not going to move to California and then just do all this booth renting because it was all in California. You got the studios, you got booth renting, right? New York was like so late to the game. Like people don't want to booth rent in New York. I don't know why, but now it's a thing. Yeah, now everywhere. Now it's everywhere. And that now you have all the apps that you can like be an on the go stylist. And that's when, um, what app was it? Sheer. Uh, I forgot what app was it, but that app was just starting to come out. Booksy. Something like that. And, um, and I was like, you know, I don't really want to know if I want to be on an app. Uh, long story short, I saw the post and I, I called her. I was like, Hey, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm a hairstylist. I need a home. So can I come check your place? And I went the next day, I met her. She freaked me out. She was so intimidating. She was like, you replied to my post so fast. Like, I'm a little scared of who you are. And I was like, how fast? She goes, 30 minutes. And I was like, okay. And then um, I said, "Can can I come in? And she said, yeah. And then I walked in. It was overlooking the Hudson River. Is that, and that's where you are? And that was in Dobbs Ferry, New York. And it was a little alley salon and she was going to give me two chairs for like 1100 a month. And at that time I did the math with 1100 and I was like, girl, I got six months. If not, I'm on the streets with my cats eating their cat food with them. Cause I'm not going to make it, you know? And she looked at me and she goes, well, what do you do? And I said, I do curly hair. I help women 
empower their confidence around the hair that they were born with and feel beautiful. And she goes, okay, well, that's great because you're no competition for me then because we don't have to fight over any walk-ins that come in and who gets what because I don't do curly hair. Perfect. And I said, okay, then I'm starting now. And I'll pay you whatever you need. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm freaked out and I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm jumping on the grenade. So about two years later, um, not even two years, in in that six months, I was fully book, booked out in one year. Jesus. And I had so many clients, I didn't know what to do with them. And then what was the the biggest blessing was six months after I opened my business, it got even more pumped because Divashan that I worked at for five years in the White Plains location shut down. Oh, so now they all coming over to you. It was divine. That's excellent. The stars aligned perfectly for you. All right. So now you're now, so your salon, what is the name of your salon? Curly Hair Alchemist Studio. So it is the Curly Hair Alchemist Studio. So I was looking, I was like, is it the Curly Hair Alchemist mm-hmm. Studio? Because if she doesn't have it named the Curly Hair Alchemist Studio, it doesn't make any sense. Right. But you did. All right. I that's did. awesome. So what what does the future hold for the Curly Hair Alchemist? I Well, right now I'm expanding more into entrepreneurship and business building. So I love my salon. Right now I'm, I'm working on hiring more staff. So I'm on my um, my first hairstylist assistant. And I plan to build her up so she can have her own clients because she just wants to be a niche stylist. And my goal for that is to build stylists to build the business that they want. Because that's what it's about. It's about freedom and independence and having your values and understanding that your fundamentals are going to be the foundation of anything that you build on top of that. And having a, a foundation in your business is going to scale you higher than ever because your passion is what's going to bring you to success. It's not only going to be referrals, not only going to be your price points and how you're going to sell yourself. But if you come from a place of passion, then that's really the transformation. And for me, Curly Hair Alchemist is just going to keep taking on clients who are are suffering from, you know, low confidence with their hair, not understanding their hair's biology and wanting to have a better relationship with their hair. And I plan on growing the business to have enough stylists. Um, and it's still going to stay small because I like intimate settings. I think they're really powerful. I think in this day and age, we've lost that human and human connection because everything's autom- automation. And I think big salons don't really work with me. I don't work with them. I like I like little huddles. I like people to feel like they're in a safe space, um, especially with my back end story of just never feeling like I belonged anywhere. I feel like intimate settings uh, open people up in a new way. Big, gigantic settings, I think people try to find a safe space within that big setting. Yeah. And I think we do that naturally through the rept- because of the reptilian mind of our humanness. Our brain just wants to find a place that it can take in enough data and it can manage that data. It doesn't need overload and overstimulus. So being a, a curly hair specialist has really opened myself up to the human nature of who people are and how we act in, in socioeconomics and how that um, 
how that, uh, what's the ripples in our life. So a woman who sits in my chair, she's bringing all of her past experiences into my chair. And what I have to do is I have to ground her and focus on the problem at hand to bring us into the solution and just focus on that one solution into consistency until she comes back and she sees her progress. And then we have less of a problem, right? So it's just every visit is a closer step to a solution. And that takes a lot of drive and dedication and commitment on my part as an entrepreneur to make sure that I can download that data into another stylist. That takes a lot of time. So when I get approached, you know, Meg, you're a niche stylist. Like, how are you going to grow your brand? Everybody comes to you. They love you. You're very unique. You're very different. You look at hair very differently. It's never just a haircut. I'm going to say, listen, if I can inspire and if someone's teachable, they can learn what I have, but th- no one's ever going to be me. Right, right. So in far as, as far as growing goals, like your way of it is just educating, passing, educating, the, passing, the, torch. passing the torch and, and being transparent. And, and what I love about, um, being on with Gary V that day at the, at the event that I saw him in Newark, New Jersey. Um, I think it was what, last fall or it was last, it was the end of 2019. What I love being face to face with him was I was so vulnerable with him. And I said, you know, Gary, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing, you know? And I really have no idea where to bring my business when it comes to employees, because I've been so mistreated as an employee that I know what I don't want, but I've never been taught how to grow a sprout into a tree. I grew myself. And like I mentioned before, when you're so in it every day, you don't see your own magic. And so what he gave me the best advice, he said, hire slow and fire fast. So I've been in business for myself for three and a half years and I've hired a a general assistant So she takes care of the back end of everything that has nothing to do with hair. But now I'm going to hire somebody that's going to touch my clients. This is my money. How does that feel? It's so uncomfortable and so amazing that I'm at the point where I have no other choice now but to do that. And it's so humbling. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good problem to have. It's a really great problem to have because just like when parents first it's like having a baby. I'm not a parent, but I have cats, (laughs) guys. They're just as crazy as kids. Um, You just pray you don't fuck them up. Dope. That's excellent. Thank you for sharing that. So I was going to say, you know, we all want to leave a mark. We all want to leave a legacy, but you pretty much tied all that in to what you got going on. Um, For the next segment, I want to talk hair. I mean, we're we're talking hair. We want to talk hair loss. All right. So- want to start with this one and i know it it means a lot to everyone but since you're what is it a, a niche is a, a niche a niche a, a niche a niche or what whatever that's how i first he's oh, it's a niche i'm a niche isn't it french isn't I believe it? it is doesn't it have an accent sub, yeah, over the e, e isn't it yeah let's see people yeah, we need to be bilingual to, we to fix, here we're gonna have to fix that problem Come on. all right so how important is your hair to you and and what role does that play in your business okay so you're, it's something that you just said that we weren't going to talk about, but it's going to go into that. So, um, that we weren't going to talk about. Yeah. You were like, we're not really going to go too much into losing hair. 
That's what you just, I think you just said that. Oh, I said politics. Oh, politics. Politics? So basically. Yeah, no, we do hair laws. Yeah, we do. Exactly. So what's interesting is that what's happened to me recently. Now, you know my 12-year-old story. Right. But just like we know, every seven years, your biology changes. Correct. And this past winter, I lost 50% of my hair. Really? Like to the point where I was waking up crying and I called my girl in Tampa, who's a curly hair specialist. She's my home girl, Adriana Albornoz, A&M Beauty Lounge. Check her out. She's amazing. Uh, I called her and I was like, hey, girl, uh, I'm losing my hair and I'm freaking out. Can I come? Can I get on a plane this weekend and get a haircut? And she's like, okay. So you were losing your hair. You called her, but you want a haircut. Yeah. Because my hair at the time was about four inches past my shoulders. And within a month, it was like I had like one curl representing my entire length. Oh, okay. So you wanted to get a haircut so that For everything me. looked. Yeah. Okay, so gotcha. I was like, I need to cut my hair off. Because it thinned that fast that it went from my hair looked like, you know, a freaking bonsai tree, just like full and beautiful. So and, all that volume. and then I was all of a sudden this vertical flat silhouette. And my hair was like, I was finding it on my clothes. I was finding it in my food. I was finding it everywhere I walked. My hair was on the floor. And so my hair, I started getting triggered with what's going on with my hair. And then it brought me back to... I used to be that girl who I didn't even know what the right conditioner to use on my hair was. My hair was breaking all the time. My hair was super dry, but now my hair is so healthy and it's so beautiful that when my clients look at me, they're like, I don't have hair like you. Of course you don't have hair like me, but let me teach you how to work with what I have, what I have as retail and what I've learned at all these classes that I continuously take education is so important, but let me help you with your hair. But when I started losing my hair, I wasn't even confident enough to help them with their hair because I was so wrapped up in my own headspace of what was going on with my hair. And this one woman sat in my chair at the time. She goes, Megan, I'm losing. She said, Megan, she goes, I'm losing my hair. My name didn't trigger me. Her hair loss triggered me, you know? Oh, interesting. And then I sat there. I started crying. She started crying. And I was like, girl, I'm losing my hair too. And I know it's a medical thing but I'm freaking out. And she's like, I'm freaking out. And we literally hugged each other in the chair and we were crying. So what, what you, what did you end up doing to, um, you know, to, to combat the hair loss? Well, I gave my, I got a really good haircut. I first went really short. I went into a really nice structured bob, which felt good because it brought me to have the appearance that my hair was thicker. But then I also realized that I needed to, really take hold of my, my cortisol levels. I think my stress levels were higher than I realized. Um, I was also, um, trying to pay attention to my food intake. I actually wasn't eating even like 2000 calories a day because I was so stressed with running my business that I was dwindling. I was losing so much weight and I was um, losing muscle mass that sometimes when we're in a really rough place, we don't see it. We look in the mirror and we see something different. So my perspective got a reality check that I was actually really putting myself on the back burner and, and my whole business was running my life. 
And I can see that happening too. Cause yeah. like even, that's what we do. We oh, hustle through. We don't we hustle eat lunch. Every, yes, exactly. So um, I started spiraling out of control. And because I didn't have a staff, I didn't have anyone giving me feedback like, hey, Meg, you all right? Like, yeah, you look like a little pale today, girl. You all right? You know, I didn't have any any family, you know, being an independent solo artist, being also a niche, you know, as an entrepreneur, you don't realize a lot of stuff because you are just you are in survival mode and it's a roller coaster. It messes with your emotions on a daily. But then you also have to act like everything's okay so your clients don't think you're a little crazy. <laughs> so you you start going through you you're experiencing hair loss. Hair loss, yeah. Do you now start educating yourself on the on this? And like is right. that something that you can now pass along to your client. Yeah. So I think the psychology behind it is depending on how you learn. Now I learn through visual and video and, um, ex and experience like hands-on experience. That's, that's my trade, but some people learn by being analytical, researching a lot, reading a lot of articles, um, reading into manufacturers or other services that are available, but because the emotions were so strong and I was in such, I was basically paralyzed. Um, to even think to reach out for help. And because of that, even though I'm in the professional field of hair care, I wasn't in, I was, I was now becoming my own client that I couldn't reach. I needed someone to help me. Like now I'm the client. I'm, I need, I need someone to pull me out of my problem. Right. right? So I actually waited until um, the, the trauma of it went down a little bit. And I started to pay attention to my scalp and scalp massaging, um, reducing my stress levels just by learning about the lymphatic system, the nervous system, going back to exercise, you know, making sure I'm pumping my blood. I, I did go to a doctor. I got some blood work, but of course I'm completely normal. So now my hair loss was a complete mystery. So I would say it's emotional. And, um, what was interesting is you actually hit me up around the same time that I was experiencing that. So I'm telling you, man, life is divine. The way it works, huh? The intertween. Hopefully the you didn't take that as a like, I'm sorry. Oh yeah. Like you're picking Hopefully up. Hopefully you didn't take it like, a, oh, he must Ooh. notice that yeah, I'm losing no, hair. That's I almost did. But then I was also like, nah, that's no, not, not how, that's not how it works. And then, you know, we were talking about collaborating or whatever, but really I was like, this is more than a collaboration. And then I started looking at your stuff. And then I started looking at um, asking women questions like, are you experiencing hair loss? Because now I'm like, where's my people? Like, cause I'm not alone on this. And then almost all my clients, I would say a good 75% of my clients were like, I've been having a lot of hair loss. And now I'm 35 years old. So I'm thinking, is this what happens when you <laughs> when turn you 35? Turn. And so I started asking, how old are you? You're like 33, you don't count. Oh, you're 37, let me ask you. And then I started seeing a pattern. Women between the ages of 32 to 37 started noticing a significant amount of hair loss. One of my clients said she got a scalp biopsy from a dermatologist. I was like, you can do scalp biopsies? So I started researching about that. And then I started learning about dermoscopes and how they can look into the skin and see clogged follicles and yeah. what you use on your hair. So then I started telling my clients, y'all got to get off co-washing because co-washing is 
what the original Curly Girls suggested when we were really dry, working with sodium lauryl sulfate, drying out our hair. Co-washing is when you take um, a conditioner-based cleanser and now you're just rubbing it into the scalp yeah, with the friction. It's clogging up. Yeah, it's the clogging everything up. So I'm like abort co-washing, right? So now I'm starting to start take things out of my methodologies and my belief systems that may have served us at a time back then, but are no longer serving us. So I started asking my community, okay, guys, we need to talk about hair loss because now I'm really, I'm experiencing something. So I needed to get my eyes opened. So now that that's happened, uh, what you do is amazing. Um, I've also been looking into maybe doing a certification in um, trichology so I can really understand more. So if anything, it's made me realize I, I need to learn even more than I thought I did. So now it's, it's, it's outside of curly hair. Now we're getting into the biology, biological aspect of it. I I feel the same way when I started getting those same questions and then you start researching, you're like, wait a minute, this is so much more than just barbering and all that. So it's a whole nother animal out there. So now, so you're looking to you you want to get that you want to get that knowledge now yes. right to bring that back to you. Do you ever recommend like if you have a client that tells you that they're experiencing hair loss, do you have like a, a regimen or anything that you recommend to them? Or? So here's the thing: is that I try to just remind them that we have to take care of ourselves, and just five minutes of that awareness of just like scalp massaging makes a change. Um, that's my first approach because I am not an expert in the field of hair loss and I don't claim to be. So what I do is I, again, I just pass the torch to where the torch should be, which is here's a cookie crumb to another cookie crumb, which is trichology, um, scalp clinics. I've recommended clients to scalp clinics to go have their scalp looked at. I actually barely ever, very rarely recommend my clients to a dermatologist um, because the feedback I get about dermatologists is that they just put some product on your scalp, but they're not researching you and they're not going deeper into looking at your scalp closely like a dermoscope can. So I kind of push them towards the science of it and they feel really good about that. Where I feel like a dermatologist, their bodies get tense because they've already been there and they're they're not really getting the answers. Source that they go. How about a hair transplant? You ever had a client that it was like that severe where you told them like, eh, maybe you should go see a a hair transplant surgeon? So So stories of people inspire people. I, and, and my client, which is interesting, coming back to Michelle, who recommended me to my first salon rental, my booth rental, um, she actually got one of those, she, she did get um, one of those procedures to like transplant hair from the back to the front. But I found that even that was pretty abrasive and very expensive. And so I started realizing that there were other ways that were um, not as quote unquote permanent, right? Permanent, right? And I said, not everybody wants to go through something like that. So I did start looking into hair pieces. I started looking into um, clients were asking about wigs. I was like, "I I don't know about wigs, but let me do some more research. And then when I came across what you were doing for men, 
with the hair with the hair um the the pigmentation. hair yeah yeah right. pigmentation but also like just changing the whole crown of somebody can really change their whole level of energy oh, yeah. and confidence so i realized i was like oh my god there's so many more people out there so i started having people follow other experts who knew about that and it was a big weight lifted off my shoulder because i don't have to know everything right that's not what I got my license for. It's right, not right, the right. license of cosmetology and everything and else in life. Hair loss in between yes. and life. So that's refreshing. So would you recommend, would you, would you, and I know we spoke about this earlier, but would you recommend uh, a client of yours to seek out scalp micropigmentation? Absolutely. Or? I've even considered doing it myself. Really? Because look at the difference in melanin color with scalp and face. Right. So even though like scalp is the extension of your face because the dermis is the largest organ of the body. Right. Like my scalp is five times whiter than my face. And I don't really like that. I can see so much scalp, even though when I put my hair down, it's like, you know, I got a little shaka con. I got a little baby shaka. <laughs> you know, I got a little, you know, thank God the curls help. Um, yeah, because I don't see what you see. Exactly, and that's another thing. All. But you know what? We can feel it, right. and and that doesn't take away any. Like it doesn't. No, no, it doesn't make anything different. But when I was looking at some of the before and afters of uh, some of the women that are on your website, and just like the hairline alone, because now what I'm doing is I'm giving a lot of women bangs, right? Because they're like, oh, Something I don't like my, different. I don't like my forehead. I'm like, girl, it's banging up, but because they're curly, they're like, oh, I haven't had bangs since I was eight years old, and that was a traumatic experience. And I was like, girl, we need to let go of that old you because I was eight years old. You're 45. Let's do some yeah, healing. Bang it out. So what I've actually been doing to promote helping women feel more confident with bangs is now all I'm doing is video shoots giving women bangs. That's dope. So women can be inspired at any age. So you're bringing them back. I'm bringing the bangs back. Bang, bang, baby. (laughs) That's awesome. So haircuts do help, but not 100%. Got you. So let me ask you a question, Mike. So you know what S&P is. Yes. You believe in it. I do. Would you date a man? Yes. Who had SMP I, or even a hair unit? What if he had a hair unit? Let's talk about dating. Okay. Oh, that's such a great question. Yeah, because I want to know. I never know, thought of that. Because you're saying, and I like asking it. I ask it to the men. I ask it to the woman. Because yeah. it's like, it's, it's cool to say, like, I believe in it. Yeah. I would recommend it. But like, now nah, let's really bring let's it Let's really in. bring it in. Because we, because with, so here's, oh my God, I love this. Because I've never, th- this is a new thought for me. So I love new thoughts. So when, <laughs> I'm thinking about it, right? Because men who are bald are praised. They they can be. No, I'm, stay with me for one second. Okay. Just stay with me. Okay. So right now, I don't know my I don't know what's going on with my status. I'm not, I don't know if I'm single. I don't know if I'm taken. You know, it's just complicated. <laughs> but that's not what we're talking about here. But, spit but there is. I'm very attracted to specific men who don't who are bald, but they are also mostly black men. So there's a there's a there's a uproaring around, oh, sexy bald black men like it's hot, right? But then I'm like, yeah, but what about everybody else who's not black, right? There's no, there's no advertisement for them, right? So my brother is bald, and my father's bald, and a lot of other men that I know are bald, and they shave it and then they fill it in with the beard or something, right? But then. I'm thinking, I've never really dated a bald guy. 
And then I was also thinking, now that you've asked me this, I'm like, would I date a guy with a headpiece, right? And then I'm like, well, I've worn fake eyelashes. I've extensions. I've worn clip-ins. I've worn a ponytail wrap. I've worn what else? I've had fillers to make my cleavage look a little bit more va va voom, right? Like women are constantly using objects to enhance themselves. And there are times where people like actually praise you more when you get that enhancement and it boosts your self-esteem. And it's not to say you're being fake, but it's to say, you know what? It's an additive and I have the choice and it's, it's, we're shapeshifters. I can be a chameleon and I can use my face, my hair, my head, my body as like a, a part of me to express myself and to also, you know, who gives a fuck? Like, yeah. are you, know, you happy? Do yeah, you feel good? Right. That's like, all that matters. You know, if, if I felt like I had fuller hair, because that's what's interesting. When I lost my hair, I felt less attractive. I felt less youthful. And I felt like that's why I stopped dating. You Be- say you felt less youth, youthful? Yeah, oh, youthful. Useful? Oh, youth. youthful. Sorry. Youthful. <laughs> and I felt like I, that's why I stopped dating because, you know, I did some video tutorials and this guy made a comment. He goes, hey, it was my videographer, actually. And my hair was wet. And you know, when the hair is wet, you see more scalp. scalp. And I was in the middle of doing a tutorial session on how to show people how to style curly hair on themselves. You know, he asked me after we were done filming. He said, are you going to do a tutorial on thinning hair? Because because my hair was and I I said to him, I said, why would I do a tutorial about thinning curly hair when I'm like, I just did a tutorial about how to look thicker with fine textured, low density curly hair. He goes, well, because your hair is really thin and there's like you're I saw a lot of scalp and I looked at him. And I was like, excuse me. And I went into the bathroom and I cried. Yeah, that's a horrible thing to say. Because they don't. And I don't even think he realized. They realize. I don't even think he realized. Majority of people, I don't think they realize at all, like what those inner demons that, you know, us who are experiencing hair loss are fighting. So when you just put it out there like that, it's kind of like shit, dude. Like, for real. And he's 25. But you know what the irony of that is? He's bald and now. Three three weeks later, he was like, "Hey, I think my hair's thinning. What what can you recommend?" <laughs> and I sent him your Instagram. That's dope. Thank I was you. like, "Here you go. I don't I don't have any information." I want for you, you to tell me his name so when he come, I'm instead of, <laughs> instead of giving him a hair. You, you ever seen the movie The Avatar? He got that big arrow on his head. That's what I'm gonna fucking leave him an arrow on his head <laughs> for saying that to you. Oh. But he but how does he know that he's insulting me if he doesn't know that it's hurting me? Right. Because we hide our emotions when it comes to that. And and when we're hiding our emotions, we're actually doing ourselves the biggest disservice because we're not coming out into the world and saying, hey, this is actually a problem for me to give other people the permission to say, hey, this is actually a problem for me, too. Yeah, it's a silent epidemic. Yes, it it really is. Very few people talk about it. And we talked about this a little bit, but, you know, women have more places to go to talk about their feelings. Because we've had our civil rights movements. We've had our history of uproaring the women's, you know, equality thing from voting to just being able to wear pants. Like we've been, we've been 
upping women and I'm really proud of it. But now we need to start upping our men and we need to start really as women now that we know how it's felt to not feel like seen in the room. We need to stop only thinking it's a man's world and look at the fact that men are harboring their feelings and their insecurities and not talking about their hair loss, not talking about not feeling youthful anymore. You know, we think as women, I'm going to speak for myself, but a lot of women can agree with me. We think a lot of men are just mostly sexual and they are, um, they really care. Like they're more, um, stimulated by the visual of a woman. Yes, that might be the case, but as we hit a certain age, we start, that wears off and men start looking at women as entities and carriers and intelligent beings. And we need to, y'all need to be intellectually stimulated Stimulated. as well because you've been through, they're falling off on the pillows, ladies. (laughs) Like they're not lasting all day, right? (laughs) So at the end of the day, when we're all old, and wrinkly and we're not cute anymore what are we really going to talk about and I think this starts happening mid-30s you know and I think as we reach mid-30s we need emotional and intellectual support as a unity for men and women to say hey we're all experiencing hair loss because women who are out there having babies are not the only ones losing their hair after postpartum. I don't have children, but I've had a lot of hormonal imbalances because of stress, because of my fibroids, because of my um, DNA from my family's history of, of, you know, cases of medical conditions. So when, when we lose our hair, the rest of the world may not see it. But when we feel it, it's like we need to talk about this with men as well because now we have something in common, yeah. right? And so when we're over here talking about equality, ladies, this is where we're equal. We're all losing yeah. our hair. And I say it all the time because, you know, you get women sometimes, even sometimes in the comments, so you get like, oh, if he's shaving his head, he's doing it. And then you go on their page and it's like, you got to weave on. Right. You know, you have this like, yes, you know what? You we, have the we option. We're now in the age that men are really embracing the whole self-caring for yes yes like, thank god dudes are coming in and asking what shampoo and conditioner yes. can i use yes do you have an oil that i can put on my beard mm-hmm. i got a certain scent that's coming from my scalp how do i fix it etc cetera, etc cetera. and right it's just something that's not so common because i guess you know when people look at men and you know how we are like they, there's a totally different outlook on us. It's like, oh, we don't worry about that. That's 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 a woman mm-hmm. characteristic. Like you're a caveman. Yeah, you know, like this is what you do. You got up, you took a shower, you clean your ass, mm-hmm. and this one, all right, you good. You put it. some deodorant, all right, get the hell Minimalism. out. Minimalism. Minimal, yeah. And then, right. and then women, you know, rag on you for spending so much time in, in the loo. Yeah, oh, well, you spent 20 minutes well, yeah. doing your hair. What are right. you, a girl? I've heard right. that, and I'm like, what the right. fuck? Like, this dude's trying to look good. Right. Like, he's embracing what he's got. He's working with it. You're going to give him a hard time? Mm-hmm. Whatever. It's a double, uh, what is it? Double is it a standard. Double standard, you know? So I'm going to backtrack a little bit because yeah. you, I, I, you, you answered it, but for those that can't, uh, couldn't get that, that elaborate breakdown that you did, would you date? A oh, man yeah, yeah, who yeah. has yes or no. No, no, because you, you spoke of oh, all the good, good of it, but would you date a man 
that has as that has scalp micropigmentation, or he's wearing a hair unit. Let's, uh, l- let think, me give you a better scenario. Okay, How about this, right? Let's go for it. You're dating a gentleman, right? You've been with him for about a year or two. He starts experiencing severe male pattern baldness. Yes. And right, me and you, we cool, right? Because we've been networking, and you go, "Hey, I have a friend. Maybe you should go check him out because." No, maybe he could tell right. you something. And he comes back and he's wearing a hair unit. I think because it is a beautiful way of reconnecting with oneself if and and promote and like feeling that confidence again. I I think he could even come back looking better. Like because of that confidence, because it's radiating from him. So if that's what's going to make him feel better and that's what's going to make him go out into the world and be his best self, that is only going to make me more attracted to somebody. And so I'll most likely be like, hey, what you doing Friday? Because <laughs> uh, of that internal you. light that's coming from him. Is is there an additive that I might have to get used to? I'm a Taurus. I'm not I'm not good with change. And I'm gonna be real with you. Like change is hard for most people. Oh, yeah. You know, when my clients, and just to be fair, when my clients come and get a haircut, I know they're gonna look the best with a really short tapered bob rather than 16 inches when they're when their boyfriend's like, Oh, I love you with long hair. I love you so much with long hair. And she's like, Motherfucker, you don't detangle this in the shower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't know what I go through. So for this. to be fair, I can relate to the boyfriends now, I think, a little bit when someone comes back from something with that massive change, like, oh my God, what'd you do? What'd you do with my guy? But at the same time, if I see he's like yo, I feel super good. Like, look how good I look. And he's, his pride is going up a little bit higher. He's not hiding underneath a baseball cap the whole time. He can touch his hair. I can touch it and be like, oh my God, it's so real. And then it becomes part of my reality. And it's something that we can explore together and it actually just makes us closer. Then that's beautiful. I think that's a really beautiful thing. So yes, Yes, for all. There yes. you go, guys. That's what we were the waiting yes, for. That's because, you know, we men are for. like, yes or no. Um, but, you know, I'm a woman. I got to fucking explain everything, y'all. So you got to, you know, count your patience. Um, but I think it would be really like, I think, yeah. I now that I'm like I'm tr- I'm living it in my head I'm like yeah I think yeah I see be dope. you looking up like I'm yeah it's clicking it. yeah it's click because at first you know if you've never been in the situation it doesn't click very quick so you're like wait let's look at all this yeah it's like yeah it looks good that's dope yeah do it oh you look amazing but now it's like oh wait a minute now I have to physically deal with that I like that I, I it always is a very challenging qu- I find it more challenging for the uh for the women huh. Because for the men, I because do the same thing for the men. we're not offered that experience. Like, we're yeah. not given that experience. You guys are experiencing all the time. Like, she just got highlights. She just got extensions put in. She got them taken out. Yeah, like you're used to the... You're pres- used oh, yeah, to that. Just, we are not. Yeah. We're used to a guy just either... He used to get a bunch of haircuts, and now he doesn't. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. And there's a lot of women that do have problems with their with their husbands going bald. They, d- they do. Oh, I... I don't they even want to. I don't even want to talk about what some of them say here, in during the consultation. It's oh, crazy. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Like some of them are super supportive. Do you kick them out the room? Because I would. No, because they're usually the ones paying. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they're usually the ones paying. So it's like. So let's talk about money real quick. Uh, yeah. Right. So like, ladies, are you going to be upset if your husband's going to go and spend twelve hundred dollars on his hair now? Because. 
my clients. I was going to say, because you got girls $1,500 on a Malaysian right. wig. I mean, if you're wearing that and now you're going to get mad for 1200 bucks for right. something. Because uh, you're because, you know, any client who steps foot in my salon is at least spending up to three to four hundred dollars just on a haircut and retail. Yeah. I don't even do hair color. But you selling an experience. You're giving them the whole. They are getting a life changing experience. Let's look beyond. And that's and that's what's really important here is that what you do as well is changing lives. This isn't just I'm going to go buy some fake hair and glue it to my head and and and, you know, be a con artist. That's not what it is. This is about like because even like what comb overs. They have a bad rap. Like, they're a joke, you know? And it's because, like, but that goes to show how much men do care about not being bald and having their scalp exposed to the public. And, And real quick with the money, like, the reality of it is, you know, people in our fields don't know what in fact we really are selling. Like, we're not selling haircuts. Right. We're not selling this. At the end of the day, we're selling you confidence. Right. That's that's what we're in the business of. Mm-hmm. But some people just don't know how to articulate that. Right. So Meg, before we go, yep. I want you to let everyone know where they can find you. Instagram, Facebook, everything. Okay. So my Instagram is curly hair alchemist. A L C H E M I S T Al Chemist. And um, you can find me there. My link to my website is in my bio. Uh, my website is megconkling.com. And on my website, I offer a lot. You can not only see my salon services, but if you are not able to make it into my chair because you live really far away, I offer online tutorials that are basically my digital salon chair for you where you can learn in 90 minutes how to take care of the nature of your hair uh, at home. And if you are a professional and you want to learn more about how I scaled my business, and if you also are looking on how to open your own salon, you want to be a niche stylist and how to call in your clients, um, I'm also a business mindset coach. So there are classes online that you can select as well. So that's how you can reach me, and I'm happy to hear from you. Dope. Meg, again, thank you for stopping in. It was such a dope interview. Um, I can't wait to uh, chop it up with you a little more after this. But again, thank you. And um, again, www.megconkling.com. Uh, I see. I made her say it because she, you know, she don't she get mad if you say her first name and if you don't. Yeah, don't mess it up. Messed up the G. So if you're walking into her spot, don't you dare call her Megan nope. because you're gonna come out or with, Maggie. You know, <laughs> you're gonna come out with a ball spot and then you gotta come see me exactly. she might do that on purpose this is, this we're is how profit. we cross pollinate business we, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh snap so again Meg thank you I appreciate thank you, you. David. and guys thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Scalp Solutions Podcast until the next time peace peace